0: Welcome to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, podcasting live from the attic of Father Henry's rectory, a century-old building, (laughs) and yet now being invaded by this uh, techie priest, this nerdy priest who uses it to podcast and do all sorts of other stuff. As usual, this show is brought to you thanks to my patrons. It's a wonderful community of people that support me with micro donations every month. And in return, I record for them another hour of podcasting, which is remarkably similar to this show. So if you like this kind of content, uh, you may be interested also in that uh, show that I record every week exclusively for the Patreon community. Even though it is kind of structurally the same and it sounds the same, the topics are very, very different. So just to give you an idea what I talk about on Father Roderick to the Max, that's the name of that show. I talk about health issues, you know, how to get fit, how to, how to <laughs> stay healthy. Um, uh, about food, I always give my favorite recipes and I, I explain uh, my, both my successes and my failures in the kitchen. We talk about stuff I learned on the internet, so things that I discovered by following people on TikTok or YouTube, and I'm just passing on the things that I've discovered in the hopes, of course, that it's useful information for you too. We talk about comic books, superheroes. I do more extended reviews of Superhero movies and series on Disney Plus and elsewhere. Um, I talk about liturgy. I have a segment where I explain stuff that you may see whenever you see a, 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 a live stream of a mass and you don't really know exactly what's going on. Well, I, I explain the minutia of, uh, of Catholic liturgy. And we talk about video games, um, and I do video game reviews, and I talk about adventures. Uh, and 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 most recently, I've been uh, talking a lot about Valheim, which is one of the best-selling games right now. It is awesome, and I'm having a blast. Uh, exploring the world as a Viking. So if you want to take a listen to that, and if you have the means to become a monthly supporter, go to patreon.com slash Roderick for more information. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. It is really, really cool to be podcasting here in this new situation for me. For those of you that have missed uh, what happened in previous weeks, I have been moving to a new, well, a new parish. Uh, I've not been appointed as a parish priest. Um, Instead, the bishop has asked me to work full-time in the media. But of course, I have to live somewhere, and preferably also in a rectory and close to a church. And I couldn't stay in my previous parish, so I moved here into the parish of uh, Father Henry. Now this parish uh, is, is c- consists of multiple villages in the uh, uh, in, uh, with uh, Wageningen, the, the, the city of Wageningen, in, in its center. This is also where the kind of the central church is, where all the liturgy is celebrated, all the the solemnities and everything. And then. Father Henry and his assistants try to do whatever they can to also cater to the smaller uh, uh, par- parish churches. Um, and I will be uh, living, hopefully, in a rectory not far from here, uh, in a town called uh, uh, benecom However, the house is not available yet. The Couple uh, that has lived here there uh, last year is moving out. I think actually they're moving out today, which would mean I would get the keys sometime, you know, next week. And then what I want to do is before I move in, I want to make sure that everything, you know, is up to speed. Uh, and and uh, well, of course, uh, this, this house has not been renovated for a while, so. I wanna install a new kitchen, we need to paint the walls, Uh, probably also check the electricity, internet has to be installed. Um, So rather than living there and then having all the time, lots of noise of of people around me and also probably being involved myself in the the renovation efforts, I'd rather stay here for a while until the house is ready so I can move in right away. Um, But it's very cool that uh, I can basically do anything I want and I need to do. So my television work, my podcasting work, my online work, I can all do it here. Uh, I found some old IKEA desks. So when I moved in, Father Henry ha- usually has um, a, a number of students here that uh, study at the um, Agricultural University here in Wageningen. So he always has two or three students in the home. Right now this, this year there's also a seminarian who lives here. The house is huge. So Father Henry only lives in half of it, the other half is in use by the parish, and even though that is the case, it's still twice as big as, as the rectory that i <laughs> that I just left and so uh, but the circumstances are a little bit primitive the, the 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 rooms are very, very simple, as I mentioned before I, I live here in the attic um, and one of the issues that I bumped into was that the the heating system didn't work here and uh, it's been a really, really cold week, uh, the week after after Easter. So, Easter itself was, was fine, but then the temperatures dropped. We even got hailstorms and everything. It was so cold here. I think the temperature here, overall temperature here on the attic was 12 degrees Celsius, um, which is, you know, usually the temperature that you put on a coat. Um, and that we couldn't get the heating system working. So, I was, I was really frustrated freezing here now we we finally discovered what the issue was my room here is linked to not the central heating system of the rectory but to the heating system of the parish so the parish volunteers when they have a meeting uh, of course their part of the building also needs to be heated but apparently it's a separate system and since it's covid nobody is using those rooms for meetings and so the temperature there was also 12 degrees because they put it on a nightstand which means basically it wasn't, it was just preventing the, the water from freezing, but that was about it. That finally got fixed. It's still not really warm in here, but at least it's livable. So that was the first issue that I had to uh, solve somehow. Um, so for nights, I've been sleeping under all the covers that I could find. I was so cold. And when I had to go to the toilet, uh, I really ran. Uh, and I had to, there's not a there's no bathroom here on the on in the attic of course so I had to run down the stairs run up again and just by by running I I was trying to to stay warm and then I would disappear under the blankets again so the second issue was that um, also the furniture here is pretty old so there was a desk um, that was you know pretty large desk. Um, and it's probably from the 90s of the last century. It, it used to be part of the furniture of one of the churches that they closed. And so Father Henry said, Well, I can use that for my students. So, but the problem was, it was a very cheap desk, very, very bad quality, you know, not IKEA stuff. And so it was a little bit shaky, but Father Henry said, I put it against the wall, it should be stable enough. So, stable enough normally to probably write a letter or something like that. But I put all my equipment on it. So I had this huge widescreen monitor that by itself is already uh, at least five or six kilograms. I have audio um, speakers that I use to monitor the sound of my TV show when I'm editing. I really like to not listen through my headphones but through real speakers so you know what the people at home will be, will be hearing because uh, people don't listen to or don't watch TV with headphones on. Uh, I had uh, a, a scanner, I've got my roadcaster, I've got two LED lights, so all in all, a ton of weight, extra weight, that I put on that desk. Now, for a few days, everything was okay, because I didn't move anything, but then, with all this equipment, I wanted to connect my LED lights to uh, the mains outlet to, to, to get some, you know, to be able to light my face whenever I was streaming. And so the cables just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I had to put the cables behind the desk. So I was thinking, you know what, if I move the desk a little bit, maybe I can squeeze the cables behind it and then, you know, it it will be easier to uh, connect them and get some current. the moment I tried to do that, the entire desk collapsed. It was like, bam! And all my equipment was on the, on the floor. The entire desk was broken, uh and it turned out the wood was so, it was this composite wood, you know, so when you screw a screw in, it already destroys the wood itself, um and so it it, it it's completely unsalvageable. <laughs> Father Henry wasn't at home, uh, he was in another church, and so I was looking around in the attic, it's like, well, what am I going to do? So I first removed the the, the big, well, the remains of the the ruins of the uh, of the desk, and then in a corner I discovered a few IKEA desk, collapsible IKEA desks, and it turns out that these were used uh, at the secretariat of the of the of this parish church, um, but they were not deemed to be you know good enough for people to work at. Of course, nowadays you've got all these uh, rules and regulations for volunteers, and the desk has, has to be a certain height and a certain depth etc these are very small I think they are like 60 centimeters uh, deep and then about 135 centimeters long. So a desk by itself you couldn't probably couldn't even fit a computer on it it's too small um, however I found three of them So what I did was I I, I puzzled I was literally... Uh, looking at this as a Tetris pu- puzzle. I was standing in this room. I had these three desks and I was just putting them in all sorts of combinations to create, um, like, a, uh, use all these different surfaces to to create a workable studio env- studio environment. And it took me about three hours and a lot of, Uh, A lot of effort (laughs) to put it in place, but now I have a situation where I have a desk that is actually even better than what I had in my previous rectory. And what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to take a picture of the setup that I have now, but even visually, it looks really good. Um, because I've got some, I've you can see the big monitor in the background, I've got a a light in the background, I'm using a a very fast lens on my Canon M50, Uh, so it has an aperture of 2, which creates, like, this fuzzy background, and it it looks amazing. I'm using small lights. I've got these uh, LED lights that I bought. These are called Ulanzi lights. Uh, They're very, very small, super cheap. However, they have a pretty solid output, and I use these to... uh, to light my face from, from two sides, from two angles. So all in all, this looks even better than what I had, even though this is a very, very you know, primitive situation to start with. So I'm super happy, and I have different corners now. So currently, I'm sitting at my, at my podcasting station. I'm using my uh, iMac, uh, the MacBook Air for uh, the streaming software. I've got my roadcaster connected to it. I've got my little, uh, what is it, uh, Audio-Technica, Audio-Technica, a- ATR 2100 USB a microphone, which is connected through the, uh, uh, what is it, SLR input uh, to the road And I'm using my iPad for the show notes. And it just works. So what I'm going to do in my new rectory, once it's available, I'm going to recreate this setup because I'm super excited about it. Unfortunately, these desks are no longer uh, available at Ikea's. The, but, but these are wonderful. You just, when they're collapsed, they hardly take up any space. And when you uh, set them up, I mean, they look and feel, they're pretty solid, and they work really, really well. So I'll need to uh, come up with a solution for that. Maybe I'll just buy these from Father Henry. <laughs> just do a donation to the parish fund and and take these with me because I love them very very much. So anyway, the only other issue that I'm struggling with is the Wi-Fi. So um the the so I've I've started to explore, you know, where is the router? What kind of internet do we have here? If I ask Father Henry, he's like um I don't know, we just have internet. Like he has uh, like a newspaper. It's just a thing. <laughs> He's not interested in the technicalities, but I am, of course. And I've already noticed that the Wi-Fi is pretty flaky. So uh, just a few hours ago, I I was looking for well, where does the internet enter the house, and turns out it is in Father Henry's private chapel. He's got a small chapel near the front door, and uh, and and in a cupboard that I thought was just for his liturgical stuff. There's actually the uh, the modem, and uh, to my shock and surprise, I discovered that it's not even fiber. We're, this is kind of standard in the Netherlands now. We all have fiber, <laughs> especially in a big student city like this. But this is still cable internet, so yeah, it's not the best. Um, and then the, the the probably the Wi-Fi is coming from a device that is on in Father Henry's workroom. I haven't checked that, but I see one cable, one UTP cable that goes. To his room, probably. Um, but Father he's currently hearing confession, so I can't ask him. And then there must be a Wi-Fi modem or something like that that distributes it to the rest of the house. The problem is Wi-Fi signal is pretty um, weak. Fortunately, this house has wooden floors, so it's a little bit easier than in my new home, my future rectory, where everything is concrete. Uh, so it will be much harder to get a stable uh, Wi-Fi uh, network in and around the house um but i've discovered that the security is very low probably the modem has not been updated with the latest firmware it's still you know very weak uh, wpa2 but the, like the weakest form and i'm getting warnings from my ipad like uh, be careful this is not a very secure internet connection so I will have to figure out how to, you know, get that to the next level as well. And maybe if I can, if I have to stay here for, I don't know, maybe a month or two, um, I'd rather also install some repeaters so that the signal it's, it uh, becomes a little bit more stable because it's very hard to do any type of streaming um, with a, a, a Wi-Fi signal that uh, that disconnects all the time. Um, but anyway. You know, I'm already glad there is Wi-Fi. And I can, even even though I may not be able to stream all the time, I can at least upload. And it may take a little while because the internet is also very slow. But, hey, as long as the end result works, right? So, um, and and then I have some other issues that I struggle with. And, and that those have mostly to do with the fact that I'm living in someone else's house. So, I'm usually, uh, I like my my things to be organized in a certain way, especially when it comes to the kitchen. Um, I also have, I'm so used to doing my own groceries, etc. Well, I have to give that up for a while because Father Henry is in control, of course, and his system basically is some kind of chaos. It's chaos, but it's it's not chaos in his head. He knows where everything is. For the rest of the world, it's just total chaos. (laughs) So... I'm looking at that kitchen, it's like, nothing here makes sense. And I'm just itching to clean it up and to organize and to throw away stuff. And But I've already noticed, and I know this also from because, you know, I know Father Henry since my time in seminary. If I do that, it will completely derail Father Henry because he's so used to his way of organizing the things in his head. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I don't know, how am I going to survive this? Because I'm, I'm, I, you notice that you've been living... Uh, alone for a long time because you, you have your own habits and it's very difficult to adapt to a situation where everything is different. Like even the kitchen itself, it's like the sacristy, same thing. I'm just looking everywhere for the simplest of things and I don't know where they are. And then I ask Father Henry and it's, oh, that's obvious. It's here. Of course it's here. And I'm just like, of course. I mean, that doesn't really make sense to put it there. Why don't you put it there? Why would I put it there? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> So I'm really training the virtue of patience but you know all in all those are minor quibbles it just it just it made me realize how much I am actually used to my own systems and my own organization i think that's the case for all of us we all have our own habits and and as, as soon as we are in a different situation we we're like oh wait a minute the world is broken now <laughs> but i'm super happy uh, that I that I can stay here and and also it's a real I'm having a great time. Father Henry is a great host, and so for instance, uh, last what was it second day of Easter, uh, April the fifth was my birthday. First contact day, by the way, that is so cool to have your birthday on a day on a date that is so important for Star Trek fans. Uh, speaking of which, we'll talk a little bit more about Star Trek in the movies and TV segment, but. Um, It was my birthday, and I had not even really prepared anything because Easter, because moving. Um, And so on the morning of my birthday after Mass, uh, I'm I'm not allowed to enter the living room. And Father Henry is busy doing stuff. And then uh, finally I am able to enter the living room. I step inside, and immediately Italian birthday songs start to blare from a Bluetooth speaker. And there is this throne... (laughs) Near the window, that is, you know, completely decorated with all sorts of, uh, you know, multiple colored paper stuff, and there is a big uh, balloon displaying my age, fifty-three, and there is a cake with candles on it, uh, and uh, <laughs> Father Henry had tried to create the, the 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 number fifty-three with candles. The only thing is, he put the candles really close to each other, so. The entire cake was burning, basically. <laughs> it was just this one big inferno. The only thing lacking was Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi having a lightsaber duel above the, the cake. But that was about it, you know? Fortunately, I had higher ground so I could blow out the candles, do make a wish, and, and enjoy my birthday. It was so much fun. And uh, so those are the little things. And, of course, I like chatting with Father Henry about, you know, his experiences in a parish. And um, we have so so many memories, of course. For, I think for the seminarian, Eric, it must be sometimes be hard to sit uh, <laughs> with us at the table because we're like the old, old guys. You, remember in the time that we were young? Remember the world was so different now? We're, we're constantly having discussions like that. <laughs> And Eric, sometimes he looks at us like, dude, you guys are fossils. <laughs> anyway, I'm having a blast here, and I'm so looking forward to start working on my new home. I can't wait to uh, to install the kitchen. It's going to be a ton of work, and probably I'm even now underestimating it, but it's going to be my home, and it's you know, I hope to stay there for a little bit longer than the last two times, because I, in the past four years, I've moved twice now. Now I want to stay a little bit longer than just two years. But, of course, you never know. We'll have to wait and see. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. I can't wait for a new Star Trek series to start. And of course, it's going to be the second season of Picard. I think a trailer just dropped. I have to admit, I haven't had much time to keep up with all the news lately because it's still the octave of Easter um, when I'm recording this. It's a Saturday after Easter. Um, so that's usually a, a busy day. Plus, my life has been kind of busy. Like, uh, refurbishing this, this attic room into a workable studio. Uh, it's taking up a lot of space. Plus, I'm also just very tired in the evenings. Um, and this is probably just kind of the fallout of the of the last couple of weeks. Um I just want to go and sleep. So I usually listen to an audiobook and then I, I fall asleep pretty quickly. I just didn't have much time to watch TV or or browse the internet. Um however I did hear that the next season of Picard is uh almost ready to go. They also started filming first episodes of the series, the spin-off series, based on the character of uh what's his name? uh, uh, uh oh, wow my brain is not functioning right now but anyway this spinoff um where it's gonna be more classic Star Trek uh based on Captain Pike Captain Pike and his crew so the first captain of the Starship Enterprise uh, so I'm super excited to to hear that they've started shooting it means that we're gonna see this and I'm so excited about this especially because I'm a little bit disappointed by the latest season of Star Trek Discovery. Um, but Picard is also of course going to be awesome to see that but that's not the only thing coming soon um, they've also started apparently I'm not sure if they started shooting already or, but they're about to start filming the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries which unfortunately is not going to be an ongoing series, it's just going to be a couple of episodes and a kind of contained, self-contained story and that will be all, I don't think they're They're planning on multiple seasons. Uh, And there are consistent rumors about them casting a young Luke Skywalker. That would be, I think, awesome. Especially if this takes place on Tatooine. Um, This could be one of those stories that will give a lot of depth um, to to our experience of A New Hope, where we get a glimpse of Tatooine, but before we know it, we're on our way to Alderaan, and then, of course, well... (laughs) Alderaan is nowhere to be found and it ends up in the Death Star. But so there's still a lot we don't know about Tatooine. Before that, we saw, of course, Tatooine in the prequels. That wasn't the nicest experience either. So maybe if this is going to take place, at least partially on Tatooine, it will feature a young Luke Skywalker. Um, I'd love to see more about that backstory, you know, how Obi Wan Kenobi is kind of watching from a distance how luke skywalker grows up and maybe there's a lot going on that we don't know about and maybe obi-wan kenobi has a, had a much more pivotal role protecting the upbringing of luke skywalker than than we realize maybe we get to see a lot of stuff that he actually prevented from happening to to young luke skywalker i don't know there are so many great story possibilities and of course they have had extra time to work on the script So it could very well be that this series will surprise us all. And I hope that it will really tie in uh, to to the stories that we know and love. That's one of the reasons that I I love the prequels. It gives us so much more insight into the original trilogy. So, um, yeah, can't wait to uh, hear more about it. Uh, And then, of course, we've also got the... Pretty big announcement that Indiana Jones 5 will finally, finally start shooting. Of course, all that has been delayed because of COVID. Uh, but they've managed to uh, to uh, get Harrison Ford to come back one more time as Indiana Jones. And uh, just the other day, the news broke that they have also contracted an alumni of Star- the Star Wars movie universe. Um... Uh, to play, the, f- I think, the female lead, if I'm not mistaken, in the series. And that is uh, Phoebe... Well, hold on. Where did I have that article? Uh, so I'm sometimes reading the news. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Now, you may wonder, I know that name, and I know that there was a connection with Star Wars, but who does she play? Well, actually, not she's not playing uh, as a real-life actress, but she voiced uh L337 in Solo a Star Wars story um she's known to be a comedian uh, she's also a very good writer she's involved in uh as a, as an executive producer on a BBC show she's also a co-writer of uh, the next James Bond picture so this may be uh, there may be a reason that she they cast her maybe also because she can inject a lot of humor into the script which of course has always been I think one of the strong points of Indiana Jones and I think that's one of the main reasons that Indiana Jones 4 kind of fell flat a lot of the humor was not very funny there there was something the sparkliness it's not a word just was missing in, in Indiana Jones 4. Maybe maybe this will be uh, uh, one of the strong points of Indiana Jones 5. Um, they will start filming this this spring. Um, so I don't know what spring, of course, is kind of a... <laughs> we don't know exactly <laughs> what that means. But I'm, I'm guessing May, when the weather is starting to improve... Uh, we don't know much about the story. We don't know much about where they are going to film. And apparently the um, uh, the new director, because Steven Spielberg, stepped out of the project for reasons that are, are at least unknown to me. Um, but we've got, what's his name, Mangold. James Mangold um, is, is still talking um, with other actors and actresses that are being cast right now. Um, I'm always a bit surprised how sometimes casting can be a last-minute decision, but it also probably means that they know very well w- who they need. Uh, so the story and the storyboard's probably already done, and now they're finding they're trying to find actor- actors and actresses uh, to fit those roles. And sometimes it, that can be very surprising. Sometimes they may have written a role for a very specific actor or actress, and then someone else takes over and steps in and we've seen many examples of of course I can't come up with <laughs> concrete examples but there are many movies that f- were written with very sp- specific actors in mind and now that we know who was supposed to play that role you can't imagine that it, it, sometimes roles become so identical to the the particular actor that ended up playing the role well take take for instance back to the future Marty McFly was not supposed to be (laughs) Marty McFly. It was another actor, and they were halfway through filming. And then they realized this doesn't work. We need to find another uh, actor to take over the role. And so that's how they finally ended up contracting Fox. And so, uh, and you can't imagine Back to the Future with any other actor playing the main lead. So (laughs) anyway, very, very cool. And then, of course, there's some more... uh, There was another Star Trek thing that I forgot to mention. Um, And I saw this on the Twitter feed of um, Kate Mulgrew. Apparently, she's going to voice an animated version of herself in the role of Captain Janeway in a new animated series that is being produced right now. So we saw um, a... I think, like, just a few pictures of what she will look like. Actually, it's a pretty good cartoon version of the of Captain Janeway, and she's going to do the voice. And I'm so excited that they're bringing her character back. Uh, it would have been even cooler if we saw her back in, I don't know, Picard? One of those future seasons? They're, they're bringing a lot of people back, so why not her? I think it could be really wonderful. Or... Maybe do some, what they did with Picard. Why don't they do that with Kate Mulgrew? I mean, she's still a fantastic actress. Of course, she had a, a, a fantastic role in uh, Orange is the New Black. Very different character from her role, of course, in Star Trek. But she has what it takes, I think, to, uh, um, to to I don't know, get her own series. Uh, and then they could bring in some other actors from Voyager. And I don't know, uh, why not? Tuvok at an older age or uh, well the the uh the doctor <laughs> you know one of my favorite uh favorite characters from uh, from Voyager I think there is there is room there uh, although i of course you always with these these kind of things with these reunions i'm not even sure if all the actors that we know from the original voyager are still alive i i don't know Anyway, uh, that's enough movies and TV show. Oh, there's one more thing I have to uh, talk about. Um, I've been uh, reviewing the first two episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus, and, well, as you know, I wasn't really immediately enthusiastic about it, probably because I was, you know, so excited about WandaVision, and this was a very, very different style, different tone, um, and what I loved about WandaVision was how in innovative it was, whereas the Falcon and the Winter Soldier it's kind of you know feels very much like the movies. And maybe my expectations were different from what, what the series was supposed to deliver. However, I've said back then that I was always happy to adjust my my judgment um especially keeping in mind that I was very very tired when I was watching the first two episodes and I even fell asleep during the second episode and that was in the middle of my of my move um and so I've decided to rewatch the first two episodes of course there're two more episodes uh, already online and I have to say that I have to I have to correct my, my first judgment. Uh, the, on second viewing, I like these. Uh, this, I like this series a way better, a, a, a way way more <laughs> than the first two viewings. Um, it, it helps that I actually stayed awake. <laughs> that really helped. So, um, it yeah. And I'm starting to warm up to the banter between the two characters. What also helped was that I listened to. I think it was the Empire podcast. I think it is. So it's a British podcast uh, produced by the uh, editorial board that makes the movie magazine Empire, and I think they did a special episode on the first two episodes of the Winter of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and they explained how, or I think the di- female director of the first episode explained how much their dialogue in the series is based on the actual type of connection that these two actors have, which apparently are good friends behind the scenes. And so a lot of what we see of character development is is based on the two actors and their you know, existing relationship. If you keep that in mind, you start to think, well, hmm, that, that, that's interesting. And uh, especially in the second episode, there's way more... Uh, Well, in the first episode, they don't really meet. They don't talk. So in the second episode, you start to see a little bit of that chemistry. And what I first kind of discarded as kind of a boring uh, scene where they are both, you know, having to speak to each other in a therapy session with the psychologist, uh, the army psychologist present. The first time I saw that, I was like, this just feels like filler, and the dialogue doesn't work. And But the second time, I was like, this is actually quite funny, and I chuckled a few times during the second episode. So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to give this another chance. I, I liked the two... St- still prefer WandaVision. I still miss WandaVision. But this is still very entertaining. And, uh, and, and I can't wait to see what they do, especially with that character. Speaking of... Uh, Universe is colliding. Uh, one, they introduced this character of uh, the the young actress who played oh, what's her name? Uh, it's that complicated name from from the solo movies. Uh, well, you you know the the one that is you first think it's a mer- mercenary until she takes off the helmet and then it's just this you know young woman who is actually fighting for a good cause. Oh, F- uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> Next week. Next week. I'll remember. Emphis Nest. Emf- Emphis Nest. Yeah, Emphis Nest. It sounded like a device that Google uh, brought to the market for better Wi-Fi in your house or so. Emphis Nest. But anyway... <laughs> I think that's her name. But the actress is back for uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, so she's probably going to have a recurring role. That's very cool. I'm still hoping that maybe this is, who knows, part of bringing her back into the Disney-verse. Because what I think Disney should do, and, and of course they are listening to this podcast, and I know that they're going to do what I recommend, do a television series based on solo continue the story bring back these actors they're all under contract because i'm pretty sure that when they signed up for solo they signed a multi-movie uh uh, contract instead bring them back for either a direct to disney plus movie because you know we're used to that now a lot of movies are now being distributed uh directly via online so i think that the, the market is ready for that um maybe even do it in the way that they did Mulan although i probably would just not pay for it well for, no if it was Star Wars for Mulan i'm not going to pay what is it 29 bucks just to watch it a little bit earlier now it's it's available for free to Disney Plus subscribers so you know i can wait Star Wars i cannot wait if they do a Star a solo movie a, a follow up sequel to the first solo movie uh that the story that also features Darth Maul man that for me that would be an, I would instantly pay for it even if it's like three times the price of admission to uh to a, a a regular movie in 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 the in the theater I really hope and if you don't do a movie do a television series I think the what the setup for solo is good enough and the movie actually despite all the criticism that it got Actually performed really, really well. It made Disney a ton of money, so it makes sense to continue that story. And I know that they've got a lot of on their plate with the Mandalorian season three. Um, Speaking of which, I read a rumor. Okay, rabbit hole. This is Star Wars. I'm allowed to do rabbit holes. So apparently, the Mandalorian. Well, from rumors, it is. It's possible that the Mandalorian will do a time jump. So that we will move the the, the the first episode of season three will not follow the events at the end of season two, and that would allow them to also make the time jump with Ahsoka, the, the standalone TV series, and with, I think, an animated series that is going to be, you know, all these three new television series are going to be interlinked time wise, and we know I think that that is, well there is a rumored plot of the Ahsoka series. Where Ahsoka will go on this quest to find Ezra, and Admiral Thrawn would be involved. So this all is kind of part of the uh, uh, Star Wars Rebels timeline, but in order to do that, to go on this quest to find Ezra, um, they have to do a time jump because that does not take place in the uh, in, in, in the around the events of the of the original trilogy. Um, but that would also allow, I think, the story of of um, uh, the Mandalorian to kind of go beyond Baby Yoda. If it if follow if the events just follow uh, chronologically, the you know right after um, having said good, goodbye to to Baby Yoda, then season three can. Can only be about mourning, can only be about loss, because we all miss Baby Yoda, right? But if we know that Baby Yoda in the meantime has been doing really great and is learning lots of stuff at the uh, Jedi Academy, uh, then then maybe it will be easier to kind of start fresh with a, a new life for the Mandalorian, and it would be over. Maybe you will have a photograph sitting on the you know his desk of uh, of Grogu. <laughs> Maybe he'll just eat cookies to just remember Grogu for... But you don't have to kind of deal with that, you know, that whole separation issue emotionally. So I wouldn't be surprised if The Mandalorian 3 will do a time jump. How did I get to this? Oh, we were talking about Solo and and Disney Plus having to do a miniseries based on that. You know what? I think we've talked enough about movies and TV shows. It is time to visit The Peculiar Bunch. (laughs) <laughs> Catholics rock! you a peculiar bunch. We're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and the Catholic tradition. You were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And today I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what's going on this Sunday in Catholic churches was which is the Sunday of uh, Divine Mercy. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster video. So, the feast of Easter is is prepared by a very very long period of preparation, called Lent. We all are familiar with that. It starts on Ash Wednesday, uh, takes about 40 days, not exactly 40 days, but Broadly 40 days, and then it's Easter, and uh, and for most people, that's it. It's like Christmas. You've got Advent, and that takes a couple of weeks, and it's Christmas, and the day after Christmas, all the radio channels are changing their music back to general winter music, and then we'll just sing about, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, but no longer the Santa Claus stuff, um, let alone the baby Jesus stuff. Uh, with with Easter, our culture tends to do the same. You know, the entire time of Lent in the stores, in the supermarkets, is filled with chocolate stuff and eggs and Easter bunnies. And once it's Easter, that's it. And immediately the, the world moves on. Not so for Catholics. Catholics can continue to to celebrate the events on Easter morning, which is the resurrection of Jesus, the most important history uh, uh historical event not just for Christians, but for the entire world from a Christian perspective disclaimer. <laughs> and we do that by having an Easter time, an Easter uh an extended Easter time that extends all the way to uh Pentecost. So that's another uh Fifty days, uh, where it's the liturgy itself is going to be Easter themed, and that's not all. Wait, there is more. There is also what is called an Easter octave, which of course comes from the number eight, octo, um, which means that for eight days, so it's the seven, it's the week after Easter plus the Sunday after Easter. That is all considered to be the same. Feast, the same solemnity. So every day of the Easter octave is a solemnity. So for instance, for those of you that live in countries where they're supposed to not eat meat on Fridays, uh, that is one of the few Fridays that you are no, not held to that obligation uh, to abstain from meat, and you can just eat meat. So that's what we did last Friday. We uh, we had uh, steak <laughs> Be- because well, it's still a solemnity. It's still Easter. Um, and that, so the Easter Sunday of the Octave is still part of the Easter celebrations. However, um, it has now been kind of rethemed. And it's it's um, the occasion, this was done a number of years ago. I forget when exactly. And I wonder if it was John Paul II who did this or maybe Pope Benedict. Um, but Anyway, he, he won it us to celebrate uh, a Sunday dedicated to the, the idea of God's divine mercy. This was linked to um, a de- particular devotion that Pope John Paul II was very um, enamored with, which is linked to <clears throat> the visions of a Polish nun, a Polish sister, a religious sister, who had visions of apparitions of Of Jesus who showed his heart uh, of which and you may know the image that was based on those visions um, uh, Where where two beams of light blue and red are shooting from his heart to kind of touch the world Um, And the idea behind that devotion is that that is those those rays of light symbolize uh, the water in the blood that flowed from Jesus side on the cross and uh, that's actually his mercy. His the blood itself is a cleansing. It's is is cleaning us from our sins. is is It's the it's a visual sign of of God's mercy with, with us sinners. And so there are many biblical references. For instance, in the the Apocalypse, the the, the book of Revelations of uh, the, um, there's this vision that John has of, of heaven and then he sees these people in white robes and, and he asks an angel, who are these people? And, well, those are the ones that have cleansed their uh, lives in the blood of the, of the Lamb, something to that extent. And, and so it's, it's the, the vision of those that are purified from their sins through the blood, through the sacrifice that Jesus uh, brings. Um, and so th- this this the this to have a Sunday that is linked to Easter, um and also to the events on the cross because it's, of course the 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 East there is no Easter without celebrating the or commemorating the death of Christ on the cross. Um, and and well, maybe you can even say celebrating the death of Christ on the cross that sounds so contradictory and it is. Because of course, the cross for Romans was a an instrument of torture. It was one of the worst punishments that you could give someone: is to die on a cross. It's because uh, you, you basically die from asphyxiation, um, because you're hanging there. Of course, you've got the excruciating pain of the nails and everything, and you're alive there, dying. But you're usually the people that were crucified were not bleeding to death, but they died because they constantly would have to push themselves up to breathe, but of course, because their feet were uh, nailed to the cross, they had to push on that nail, which would cause, of course, horrible, horrible nerve pain um, in order to to breathe, and then they would, you know, give up because of the pain, and then they had to do it all over again. So it was this ongoing suffering. And usually they would just collapse and die because you know, they couldn't, uh, couldn't raise themselves up to, to fill their lungs with air. Um, so that was known as a, 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 you know, a horrible instrument of torture. But you could also say from a Christian point of view, because we know that this was a sacrifice of love that was meant to reconcile us with God uh, there's just so much love that it, it it it's bigger than any sin. It's bigger than anything dark and anything you know, death and destruction. And so the the kind of the contradictory message of uh, of of the cross and the resurrection is that that God overcame death or or, or vanquished death by. By basically by dying by giving his life on the cross, and the blood and the water from his side were seen by many church fathers uh, in in the Christian tradition, also in Christian iconography, iconography as the signs of this of this gift of this mercy. And of course, the water refers to the cleansing water of baptism that cleanses us from our sins. Uh, the holy water that we use in the Catholic Church also refers to the you know kind of this cleaning water of baptism. So when we cross ourselves with holy water, it's to remind ourselves that Jesus wants to wash us from our sins, not just at the moment of baptism, by the way, but every time we sin, then if we turn to Jesus, he can clean us again, make us clean again through the sacrament of confession. And, of course, the blood, it's his life-giving blood, it's a symbol of life, the symbol of love also. Think of a beating heart. Um, and that, that represents the love of God that he shows to his Son, that gives himself fully to the Father on the cross, but then the Father gives himself and all his life back to the Son, and, and that, that, that destroys death, and Jesus rises, and the life in him is the life of the Father that is through him also offered to all of us. Okay, I know that this is a lot of theological stuff. <laughs> I hope I'm not overloading you, but what I like about Divine Mercy Sunday is that it, it kind of uh, presents us with this image, and you know images are sometimes even more ev- evocative than than just you know pure uh pure theology in the sense that it can it uh, what i like about that image of sister faustina that was the name of that uh, uh religious sister from poland um is that it is it shows us that the sacrifice of christ his his the gift of his mercy is like sunlight it's like it's 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 touching everything it irradiates and so if you put yourself in the the, the, the image itself the the beams are <laughs> almost a little bit like laser like a laser show <laughs> I know I'm, I'm probably going to shock some of you but it always sometimes I irreverently call it jokingly Jesus of the laser beams because it looks like you know red and blue hey I'm I'm a Star Wars fan so I'm thinking laser beam. anyway <laughs> the image is painted in such a way that the beams extend towards you and they broaden so you are when you're looking at that image it's as if these beams are straight tra- pointing at you and so you are the object of that mercy you are the beneficiary of that mercy and so it's good to 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 know that during easter time there, we're not only celebrating that jesus by some miraculous means, was r- raised from the dead, but th- we, we also understand that, that the resurrection is all about mercy. It is about God telling us that we too can live again, even though sin and death and sickness and everything can destroy our lives and can seemingly rob us from, from the life that we currently live, but that God offers us eternal life through his mercy that everything that kills us uh, cannot, cannot outweigh the strength, the life-giving strength of God's mercy. And so as long as we bathe in the in the in the beams, in the sunlight of his mercy, we can, we can look forward to eternal life. That is so eternal life, resurrection, and mercy are very much interlinked. And that is why the Sunday of the octave. We are celebrating this divine mercy and we're celebrating it because it's it's joyful. It's such a great message that no matter how often I mess up and I sin and I forget that I have to be loving and 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 forgiving myself there's always a way back for God. It's always possible to to wash away our sins and to embrace us as almost newborn babies. Uh, It's always possible to return to that grace because of forgiveness, because of mercy. If there wouldn't be mercy, imagine what kind of Christianity you would have. Like, say, for instance, that it's only baptism that forgives you from your your previous sins. We we, we would all be, you know, in big trouble because (laughs) all of us that have been baptized, we have sinned afterwards. We've sinned again. And... Uh, But the grace of forgiveness is something that lasts a lifetime, and it's always available to you through the church, sacramentally, through the words of the priest that forgives you in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, of course. And then even if you don't have access to a priest to confess your sins, say, for instance, you're you're about to die, you're on the Titanic, and, you know, the only priest that's on deck is busy hearing the confessions of some other people that are about to drown. As long as you have perfect contrition, as long as you you regret what you've done and you want to seek reconciliation with God, and in the case that you may survive, the you know, the sinking of the Titanic and and, and, and maybe you can find uh, a floating door on which you can climb and there's not some lady pushing you off and, oh, <laughs> poor Leonardo DiCaprio. He it was big enough for the two of them. Anyway, so uh, say you survive. You always also say, well, I want to go to confession as soon as it's possible, but if I'm now dying, I, I want to be forgiven. God grants you that forgiveness. God's will. God will forgive you immediately, even if there is no priest, because of your perfect contrition. That's all good news. That's all... That's what I like about Catholicism, that we have that margin, that despite us messing up time and again, there is no way that we can uh, outmatch the mercy of God, because it's the mercy of God, and there is no one more loving, and more forgiving than God. All right, time to move on with the segment about books. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet, the extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I've been listening to an awesome audiobook, um, and it is uh, the book Neverwhere, which is one of the classic books by Neil Gaiman, which you may know from American Gods um, and also some other series. Or, well, series, actually. Those are also books, but uh, on Amazon Prime, they have uh, uh, TV shows based on on those books. I wasn't a fan of American Gods. I thought it was super weird. Maybe the book is better. Um, and there was also this uh, story about an angel and, and uh, uh, an evil spirit. I... I kind of I watched a few episodes. I couldn't follow. It didn't didn't really appeal to me. But I heard a lot of good stuff about uh, Neverwhere, and so I started listening. I'm now halfway through the the book, and it is amazing. I'm listening to the audiobook version, um, read by the author himself. So read by Neil Gaiman. I've also uh, heard uh, that there is a, um, a an audiobook version where it's um, where multiple actors are actually reading the stuff, and it's more. Kind of like you have that with The Hobbit and with the Lord of Rings as well, where you have the both the the one that's just red and then you have where it's almost acted like a like a radio play. Um but I'm just listening to the original. It's unabridged, so it's a bit long, it's about thirteen hours. I listen to it while I'm walking around here exploring the uh <laughs> the 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 area. Um and and it's amazing. It tells the story of this kind of mm, a bit sorry sorry person who is in a relationship that is uh, clearly not meant to be um and well you listen to that and you're like oh please don't don't continue with this girl she is just taking advantage of you and uh, did, <laughs> this is not a good relationship and then he stumbles upon a few people that have uh, apparently jumped out of a parallel world like a, an under, underground London which is a it's a little bit like Diagon Alley, actually. Now that I'm thinking, now that I'm thinking of it, maybe that's where J.K. Rowling got the idea that there is a second London which you cannot see. And so in this story, there is this underground London, and and it's a very dark world where it's uh, life is like in the 17th century. And so a few uh, a Young woman from, or even a girl, I think, from from underground London, jumps into the the, the reality of this of the of the main character, and and needs help uh, because she's being pursued by some evil guys, and and then he follows her into underground London, and it's very well written. It's super entertaining. It's very funny as well, and I have no idea where this story is going to take me, but I'm I can't wait to to read on and that's always a quality of a book that I it's a page turner it's a really it's a very easy read um, and it's a super compelling story so I highly recommend it the book is called Neverwhere Um, maybe next week I'll have finished the book and I'll get back to you The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Well, science friends, it is time to talk a little bit more about our newest Mars exploration uh, um, helicopter that has now been released from the bowels of, uh, (laughs) of our newest Mars rover and is sitting there trying to survive the cold nights on Mars and has now... Uh, prepared for its maiden voyage, its maiden flight. Um, Apparently, the Mars helicopter has done a test, uh, like a rotation test, and I'm recording this on Saturday. You may be listening to this after the fact. But on Sunday, March 11, the helicopter will make its first flight. And... That is so cool to have a drone. Actually, it's more than a drone. It's a helicopter flying around on another planet. And because of the thinness of the episode of the episode of the atmosphere, (laughs) it has to the blades have to rotate at a very, very high, high velocity. I'm trying to find the article, but for some reason, I can't find it anymore. It was somewhere here in Google News, but Google News doesn't allow me to open separate browser windows. Here it is. This is on Uh, space.com. On Saturday, uh, the Mars helicopter did a first test, and it was filmed by the Mars rover Perseverance, and it successfully spun its blades to uh, 50 rotations per minute which is very slow, of course. Um, but it works. I mean, we have live footage from the blades spinning around. And uh, in order to lift up, and this is going to happen on Sunday, and I think there's going to be a live NASA stream, um, they have to the rotors have to go at a speed of, of 2,400 rotations per minute. And then the helicopter can take flight. I think the first flight is going to be super simple. It's just going to be up and down. But it's going to be filmed by the Perseverance. And I think there are also, well, I'm actually pretty sure, there are are also cameras on the helicopter itself. This, we have never seen something like this before. And maybe two centuries from now, we'll look at this and we're like, "That's where it all began." <laughs> you know, like we look at the history of of uh, uh, of airplanes, and we see those very very early airplanes. It's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that they they were able to fly those things." And maybe in the future, we will we'll look at that this moment. But for us, we're witnessing history. This is this is the beginning of you know space exploration in a way that we've never seen before, and of course. This can uh, only work on planets that have an atmosphere, so you couldn't do this on, on the moon because there is no atmosphere, so no helicopters there. Um, but you can bet that if this is successful, future Mars rovers will have upgraded versions of these helicopters, and, and maybe we can fly around the planet and go basically anywhere. Now we're limited to what an exp- what a rover can explore, but what if you have like a, a solar-powered version of this helicopter that can just basically lift up and land wherever it wants, and 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 we can just say, well, I'll just go here, and it will just fly there and land, and then charge up the next few days, and then do another flight. You could explore so much more uh, than we can currently do with these land rovers that are or Mars rovers that are just tied to well the crater where they land. Ah. Uh, I can't wait to see the live stream. This is going to be so exciting. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built. Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. There's always a lot of Apple stuff in this uh, in this jingle for my technology segment, but uh, Apple is uh, a bit in hot waters right now because uh, you know about the uh, the uh, Epic lawsuit against Apple, right? Epic is uh, the gaming company or gaming distributor, I should say, of one of the most popular uh, battle royale games right now, which is called um, Fortnite, and. They, of course, want to make more money than they currently do in the App Store and Apple's App Store because Apple charges them a certain percentage that Apple just gets uh, without really doing anything else than offering a platform for the distribution of these games. Now, Epic wants to circumvent this or has tried to circumvent this. Apple has, uh, as a result, removed Fortnite from the App Store um, because uh, basically Epic says, it's not fair. We do all the work, and Apple just gets money, but they're so dominant. They're such a a, um, a, um, a monopolist that for many people that want to play our games, they have no choice but to go through the App Store, and, and, and Apple is abusing its monopoly in certain markets to just make money off of our backs, and we, we want a judge to stop that now. Of course, it's a very complicated uh, situation because Apple says, "Well, you know, it's our App Store. We developed the iPhone. If it hadn't been for us, you wouldn't even be able to reach your current audiences. Uh, so it's only it's only normal that we make some money of this. After all, you know, without the iPhone, without the iPad, without iOS that we continue to develop, you wouldn't have this platform. You would be just having to go through the Play Store. Actually, the Epic has the same problem with the Play, with the Google Play Store as well." So they are on this quest to uh, at least probably just get some leverage. I'm not I don't think that they that they think they can win this against Google and Apple, but maybe if a judge agrees on certain points, they can broker a new deal. I think that's probably just all about money and, and percentages, but anyway, maybe they're trying to force Apple to reduce the percentage that they take. Off of any apps in the in the app store. Anyway, why am I talking about this? Uh, oh yeah, so they of course have to prove to a judge that Apple is abusing its monopoly, and so they they have published uh, correspondence, I think, of people that worked for Apple or are still working for Apple that shows that Apple uh, deliberately has not developed iMessage, which is their very popular messaging system on on iOS, but deliberately has not made an Android version because they wanted to keep people in the Apple environment. So once you are used to using iMessage and all your friends use it, then uh, you know it's basically you have to you have to your next device has to be an iPhone or an iOS device because otherwise. You lose all your contacts. That also, according to Epic and also some other players, uh, is the reason that Apple is restrict is putting so many limitations on on Facebook uh, gathering data. Now, Apple says it's all to protect our privacy, and of course, we all know that <laughs> Facebook cannot be trusted um, when it comes to privacy. There's been this massive leak of Facebook information, and they're trying to downplay it, but it is maybe the biggest leak that that Facebook has. Admit, admitted to uh, so far. Um, millions and millions and millions of, of users of Facebook have all their information out there for sale or maybe it's even available for free, which includes you know all your sensitive data, day of birth, uh, telephone number, address, and whatever you, you whatever information you gave to Facebook, it's out there. Not all, of course. Uh, I did a check, and it appears that at least my phone number is not, uh, I never connected my phone number to, to Facebook. But anyway, so long story short, uh, Facebook is also one of those parties that says Apple is trying to keep us out of their, uh, their uh, um, uh, app environment because they want to keep their monopoly. They just want to uh, uh, keep people from, from jumping ship, and that's not fair. So it's about, we'll have to see what the judge says. And then, of course, Apple will, <laughs> will, will, will do a counter lawsuit or whatever. This is not over yet. But it's good that we have this discussion, of course. Um, that was entirely beside the point that I wanted to bring up here in this tech segment. I wanted to give you a tip. If you are using Chrome on an ultra-wide monitor, and now I'm talking about a niche of a niche of a niche, I have to be a member of that niche. That's why I'm talking about it. I have this ultra-wide monitor that I love. It's so much better than having two monitors on your desk, especially if you're doing stuff like video editing or even when you're streaming video games. You know, I can I can stream Valheim and I have the, the game open on one side of my screen and on the other side, I can have a full, you know, window of uh, uh, Streamlabs OBS I could I could see the, ch- the 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 chat the live chat going on. It's wonderful to have a wide sc- ultra wide screen monitor. So it's a ratio of twenty one by nine versus sixteen by nine for a lot of these HD monitors. Um, I had an issue with Disney Plus, so I was trying to watch the, the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier here on my on my screen because it's a big screen, and uh, there is no other te- well there is one television here at the rectory. Father Henry's, and uh, it's quite stunning. The TV is still 4x3, and it's an old-fashioned tube television. It was already probably small when, when he bought it, but now it just looks like a, a post stamp. It is. You, I cannot watch anything on that TV. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch uh, a Disney Plus here on this monitor. But when I launched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is actually filmed... In uh, oh, I see that my uh, my my camera is uh, is cutting out. Sorry for those of you that are watching this on YouTube. I'm going to wrap up things anyway, but my camera just uh, ran out of uh, battery power. <laughs> so you're looking at a space void. Maybe I can switch to the built-in built-in camera. Can I do that? I actually don't know. Probably not. No. Oh, I don't have access to the built-in camera. Maybe if I... re-enable built-in camera is that going to work? Am I back? Almost back? No, I'm not back yet, but I will be back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> okay, you're now looking at the horrible, horrible built-in camera of the MacBook Air. <laughs> Sorry for those of you that are just listening to the audio and are wondering what's going on. But uh, I was also uh, putting this on YouTube, and uh, I I don't have enough. Like I <laughs> I have an extension cord, but everything is plugged in, and there is no room for my my my. Um, uh, battery replacement pack for the EOS m50 so I was running this on the battery which only lasts for about an hour and I just went over over <laughs> I've already been streaming for about an hour and and 15 minutes anyway um, getting into rabbit holes all the time uh, when I was watching uh, Disney stuff or movies on Disney plus it did not use the entire uh, Width and height of my monitor. It just gave me black bars on the sides and uh, on the uh, above and below the image. So I found a Chrome extension that will actually give you the full view. So I'm now watching the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and it has my monitor has the exact uh, dimensions of the of the footage, so it looks even better than on my 16 by 9 television. It is amazing. And it's available for free. It's called the Disney Plus Ultra Wide Monitor Chrome extension. I'll include a link in the show notes, um, but you can also just go through the... Um, I think it's the extension store or something like that and look for that. Disney Plus Ultra Wide Monitor support Chrome extension. It's a mouthful, but it works, and it's awesome. And uh, that wraps it up for this episode of... Uh, of my regular show for those of you that are supporting me through Patreon of course there is another episode of Father Roderick to the Max coming soon to your Patreon exclusive feed again if you want to have more information and you want to help go to patreon.com slash see you next time thanks for listening